The reading is from Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not embitter your children or they will be discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only with, when their eyes on you to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will have an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there's no favouritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So that reading's in the leaflet. You can keep that in front of you. Now, who we think we are, we've been talking about that a lot the last few weeks, who we think we are determines what clothes we put on, doesn't it? You know, if I think I'm really trendy, I'll go for the latest fashions, If I think I'm just an average dad, I'll go to Target, Target. Um, Also, you see it in teens, especially in subcultures, don't you? Particular clothes go, so, you know, if you're a punk rocker or something back in the day, or somebody here used to be a mod, and she couldn't find any pictures of a full mod outfit, but here's, here's a picture, thanks Robert. Look at that, see who you think you are, and you've got to try and guess who it is later. I'm not going to tell you. Here's some of me. Ref- what I'm put- the clothes I put on reflecting who I thought I was. So, first one. Age three. I thought I was a good boy, so I wore whatever mum told me to. You know, never mind that it's minus three in this picture. Shorts are the way to go, apparently. That's how life was in the 70s. Then next one, age six or seven, I think, here. I'm a schoolboy. So I've got my school uniform. Didn't mind my school uniform. It was grey, like the weather. Uh, next one, I'm 12 here. Not sure what's going on. Shirt button up to the top. Maybe I thought it was a hipster before hipsters were invented. Who knows? What's going and then, last one, teenage years. Well, teenage, that's, that's me and Sharon. That's not Robert and Miv. That's me and Sharon. Uh, you know, teenage years, things get confusing, don't they? I'm not really sure who you think you are. Who we think we are helps determine what we wear. Verse 12 here at the start of today's reading sums up who we really are 
and tells us what clothes or actually what attitudes and behaviors to put on accordingly. 3 verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So if you're a disciple of Jesus today, that's, that's you, chosen by God to be in his family. You're holy, that is, you're set apart, picked out especially by God for him, dearly loved. You are God's chosen children. And when we keep looking up, keep fixing our hearts and minds on this reality, that this is who we really are, it transforms how we relate to each other. There's kind of relational clothing we put on. So if I think I need someone to love and accept me, then quite likely I'll change, I'll change my clothing, literally, um, maybe, the way I speak, how I behave, the compromises I'll make to make them love me. But if I know God loves me this much, that I really belong to him, then I won't change who I am for other people. I'll be myself, my, my new self in Christ. And the Colossian church that the Apostle Paul is writing to needs to hear this because some Christians have come along saying, you need something more, something extra to make you really in with God. And people still say things like that today. You know, you've got to keep certain rules. You have to have a particular spiritual experience. You have to live a victorious life. You need to claim God's blessings over you. Whatever the latest lingo is, the hint is... That's okay, but you're not really a proper, fully-fledged Christian without this other thing. And that's rubbish. Anyone tells you you need more than Jesus, you tell them, I'm good, thanks. But you'll have noticed from today's reading and earlier in chapter 3 that we looked at last week, Paul is concerned that knowing ourselves is worked out in being ourselves, as in it affects how we relate to other people. We're, we're one of the family now, and there's appropriate clothing for us to put on. So what do God's children wear? There's an outline in your leaflets, and just briefly, new outfit, family likeness, and then we'll look at that at hits home, at home and at work. So first, had a new outfit. We'll look at verse 12 in detail in a minute, but before we do, look at each bit of clothing. Just notice, this is something we put on, something we proactively do. It's part of how we keep looking up to who we are in Christ. So what I'm saying is, don't hang around until you feel this is coming to you naturally. Don't wait around until you feel like you're a better person, capable of putting these things on. Because this side of Jesus' return, it's always going to be a struggle. But putting on these clothes is putting on clothes that are the right fit. They're the right style. They will really suit you. I mean, in real life, these days when I go into a clothes shop, I'm like, I've got no idea. You know, I'm like, what am I doing here even? But here in verse 12, we're in the right shop. 
We can't go wrong. None of this stuff will look bad on us. So verse 12, clothe yourselves with compassion. This English word compassion is translating the concept of heartfelt, gut-wrenching, deeply felt sympathy for others. Caring about one another. Wanting the best for one another. Compassion. Kindness. I mean, so much good can be done and so much hurt avoided just by being kind. By having a generous, gentle spirit. By being nice. Humility. Putting others' needs first. Knowing yourself as a sinner who needed God's grace. And a good way, a good diagnostic for is a way to tell if you're lacking humility is that you'll get easily offended. How dare they? And let me say, staying offended is not a Christian thing. Because it means we've forgotten how offensive our sin was to God. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. So don't react with your gut reaction. Be careful in how we relate to one another. Often, being gentle often means not saying something. It means being mild, even-tempered. And patience, forbearance, putting up with one another. Now, notice we had to look up, have our head in the clouds about who we are in heaven. But Paul's not naive. He's not some space cadet. Notice the expectation is, a lot of the time, we won't have these clothes on. We won't behave like this. And we're going to need patience and forbearance. Because being part of church is hard. We're all works in progress. And we need this new clothing that suits us now to keep helping each other look to Jesus and keep growing in him. But again, let's come back to, this is not a bunch of extra rules. Not do this to be a proper Christian. But rather, if you carry on in life putting on the wrong clothes for your new self, you're going to feel like a right child. You're going to feel uncomfortable and restricted and out of place. Here, in verse 12, are the clothes that now suit you in your new self. And you're going to love wearing them, and people are going to be wowed by you. See, our time until now until Jesus returns, is like an 80s movies montage. Okay, I've got a little video here. Thanks, Robert. This is a montage of montages. But in an 80s movie montage, right, say Rocky IV, something like that, um, each shot shows a little improvement. It starts with the hero repeatedly falling over, can't lift the weight, gradually improving before a triumphant uh, laughs and patting on the back scene. A montage. That's what we're like. We're slowly improving. The thing is, we're guaranteed we will make that last scene, the pattern each other on the back scene, because Jesus has already got there for us, and we're in him. And the difference to a bunch of rule-following or extra requirements that we're rejecting, the difference is we're not following a lot of speculative human directions, destination unknown. No, we've, 
we begin having already reached our destination in Christ. And these are the instructions of what to wear to the party now before everyone else and the guests of the honour arrives. Okay, so family likeness, our next heading. Verse 13, as we do life together as God's family, we take on the family likeness. Verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Uh, here's another photo for you. This one's from my, one of my favorite websites. It's called Awkward Family Photos, and this is exactly what it says in the same. It's hilarious. Now, there's a family taking on the family likeness, isn't it? When we realize who we are, we're God's chosen and loved children, we know how we should be. We should be like God, our Heavenly Father. God didn't bear a grudge. God went to extraordinary lengths to make sure he could forgive us. How can then we hold on to something against each other? As we're increasingly sure of who we are, we increasingly take on the family likeness. I mean, I think it's popular for people to just dismissively say, Christians are pious, holier-than-thou hypocrites. And sometimes we can end up believing the bad reviews about ourselves. But think about it. Think about how you came to Christ yourself. Nearly always it involves you saying something like, I could just tell these Christians were different. There was something about them I wanted. I saw, as myself, I saw it on camps I went to as a teen. The leaders... They were with you all day, every day, and there was no hiding. A bunch of horrible 13-year-olds driving them nuts. But they were such a good laugh, so funny. Uh, but without being crude, not jostling for popularity. They were really caring, really kind. They were taking on the family likeness. And I can't remember the Bible passages we learned at those camps, but I can remember those people. So verse 14 and 15, the overriding picture is one of unity. Love trumping all other motives, all other ways of beings. At peace with each other because we're at peace with God. Being who, knowing who we are. So now I'm, I'm a pom, but I'm not just a pom. I'm a chosen, holy and dearly loved pom. You're, if you're a retiree, you're not just a retiree, you're a chosen, holy, and dearly loved retiree. What's, we now have a closer bond with all Christians, whatever our position in life, class, or educational background, stage of life, a closer bond than we do with our natural-born communities, bound together by love and the peace we have in Christ. Now, of course, we'll have problems. But the problems that we have in the context of being fundamentally at peace, loving as we are loved, forgiven as we're forgiven. So just have a look at the person sat next to you. They are a sinner. 
And if we keep getting to know one another and keep doing life together, sooner or later, there's a good chance that we'll do something to annoy each other or even upset one another or even hurt one another. Uh, You might come across circumstances in church where uh, you're not in the wrong. You've genuinely got a grievance against someone else. How will we forgive? How are we going to forgive that person? Well, we're going to set our hearts on things above, on Jesus. Jesus, the only man in history to be completely innocent. The only man able to rescue us from our sin yet rejected and treated like a criminal. And yet he chose to go through this awful death on the cross so that we don't have to die, so that we could be forgiven. Even those directly responsible for putting him on the cross, he forgave. So how can any of us stay offended or hold a grudge when we ourselves are offense and grievance causes? Saved by grace. So many times I've met, or met people or heard from them who don't go to church at all, and the reason they give is that they were hurt by church. And I always want to say, actually, you were hurt by a person or people. And I don't deny lots of Christians have done lots of bad things, but leave church altogether all permanently. I want to ask what special category of child of God are you that means you don't need to find a way to bear with and forgive and forgiveness doesn't mean we stop feeling the hurt and pain caused by someone it doesn't necessarily mean forgetting and there may be sensible boundaries we need to put in place to deal with the consequences of sin but forgiveness does mean giving up our rights, our rights to express our anger, to parade our hurt, and to demand payback. Because it's hard to demand, pay my debt, when we remember how much of a greater debt we've had paid for us. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. How's that? By grace, undeservedly, for free. So how do we then, if this is to be like this, we need to keep setting our minds on things above. How do we do that together as church? Verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. We keep our minds fixed on things above by keep going on about Jesus. We keep his word to us, the Bible, central to all that we do the whole bible is the message of christ and we do church together such that these words live amongst us so that works its way out practically in several ways it means that we what we're always trying to do is let the passage set the message Uh, it means studying the word together one-to-one and in groups working out how to put it into practice together Serving together in teams, encouraging one another, morning tea even. It's all opportunities 
to let God's word dwell richly among us. Chances to teach one another. And given we know we'll get things wrong, sometimes it'll mean we need to, always with gentleness, sometimes it'll mean we need to admonish one another, set one another straight. Now, I don't, I don't think that's quite right, or I've just noticed something that I think you need to know, gently correcting one another. That also means, however, and this is harder, I think, being open to being corrected and being thankful that they're helping you put on the right clothes. So that means swallowing some pride, letting down your defences. But the upshot is you'll have a much better look in the right outfit. The word dwells amongst us richly as we sing together as well. And did you notice our singing is addressed to God to express the gratitude in our hearts, but also we're singing to each other. Now, you might be more grateful for certain people singing to you than, than others, but, uh, but there is a real sense in which, you know, when we're singing songs together, we could look at each other and go, you know, we're encouraging one another. And we're not just about, uh, a living faith in Christ is not just about assenting to intellectual propositions. And we're not just about emotions or vibe. But the songs we sing aim to bring all of who we are, head, heart, reason, emotion, to teaching and encouraging one another and expressing heartfelt thanks to God. Those Christian camps I went to, and I could see those people, a difference in those people. Why was there a difference in them? Well, that's because they heard the message of Christ, had it dwell among them richly, responded to it, and God's Spirit in them changed them as they brought it to bear, brought it to dwell in their everyday life, thoughts, and actions. And the same for us. Okay, last two points. We're going to move on to looking at the clothes for home and clothes for work. And the guiding principle for our life together in these areas and in church is verse 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. So let's have a look at our clothes for home. I don't know what you wear at home, like your old tracky dacks, you know, where the knees stick out still you know, on the couch. In, our, in the home, our new life works out in mutually loving relationships. So first look at husbands and wives, and then between fathers and children. First, husbands and wives. The trouble is we can bring to marriage the assumption that marriage is all about fulfilling my needs. And so then we'll get bitter and critical if it doesn't. But Christian marriage is not about me. It's about... It's other person-centered. So the wife is called to entrust herself to her husband, giving himself up for her, and the husband called to self-sacrificing love for her. Now, the word submit in our culture, in our language, the use of the word is really loaded. So let's be really clear. Submitting as is fitting the Lord does not mean submitting to abuse or to bad leadership. Submitting 
as fitting the Lord does not mean submitting to abuse or bad leadership. It means submitting to a husband, taking responsibility to love you as Jesus loves you. Uh, It means submitting to letting him put your needs above his own. Nor is submitting saying that a woman is inferior. We've already seen earlier in this passage, in this chapter, that we're more profoundly equal to each other than the world can even imagine, let alone demand. Uh, And Jesus submits to the Father, and we've already seen in Colossians, he has the fullness of God, and yet he submits. So submission does not mean inferiority. It just means within our equality, there are different roles. Submitting doesn't mean always doing exactly what you're told. It's not godly to be cowed into quiet submission. It's submitting as fitting in the Lord. It's submitting to whatever helps one another put on these clothes, take on God's family likeness. And notice the, the command to submit is not for husbands. Husbands, you don't get to tell your wife to submit. It's something she does. Husbands, our job is to love and be gentle. So to love, not necessarily a mushy romantic love, but a determination to do the best for my wife, even if it's really inconvenient. To not have our own selfish interests at heart, to have no hint of harshness, to always be seeking to build her up. And in that context, can you see what a pathetic distortion it is when blokes make their wife's submission about making her do all the jobs that he can't be bothered with. The husband's job is to make it a joy for his wife to submit. See, we can be in profound disagreement in the home through struggles, but if we clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, we can sort it all out lovingly. And we can only do that as we keep looking to Christ and knowing ourselves in him. For fathers and children, notice the relationship centers on heaven. Children obeying to please God. Fathers making sure their children aren't discouraged. Um, In case it's not obvious, obey your parents in everything can't mean doing obeying absolutely everything if it meant doing something that wouldn't please the Lord. But children, uh, Robert, you're my child, you have to listen to this, okay? But everybody's children. Uh, Lots of us will be out of home, and it's not so much obeying our parents as honouring them. But anyway, remember the controlling principle. Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him. So children shouldn't wait for parents to stop being annoying or, in, our, in your opinion, unreasonable before they earn your obedience. Children obey because God likes it and you're grateful to him. Parents, don't wait for your children to stop being annoying or, in your opinion, unreasonable to earn your peace. 
Seek to be at peace with them because God likes it. You're grateful to him and you want to keep encouraging them. I'm from a very stable and loving family, but perhaps you're not. Perhaps you're from a broken family. And don't hear me invalidate your experience or deny your genuine pain. But keep looking up and know who you are. A dearly loved one of God's family, deliberately chosen, not rejected. And from that place of love and security, from that identity and with the clothes that go with it, well, then we're much more likely to find peace. So that's our clothes of the home. What about our work clothes? Um, In the verse it mentions slaves, but slaves were roughly half of adults in the Roman Empire, and they could be good jobs with responsibility, but still, it was work. There's a reason we have a name for work, isn't it? It's it's work. You still had a master, someone you were working for. There were still bad days at work. There were still Monday morning. Well, I suppose it was Sunday morning. The way to keep looking up to who we are in Christ and the way to let peace of Christ rule in our hearts at work is to work hard as if Jesus is our boss. And that can be really liberating because most workplaces have a whole host of reasons to not do your best. Lazy colleagues, unfair boss, no recognition, futile tasks, glaring inefficiencies. Working hard in all of that can be just demoralizing, can't it? But if you're working hard because God likes it, well, that's always rewarding. And you're promised to be rewarded for it in heaven. Heaven gives out fair reward for our hard work. The punishment due from our bad actions dealt with, nailed to the cross. But heaven's really fair. Heaven notices how hard you work. And it's this impartial, fair, just reward for our work that's our motivation to work. Not, not our pay, not our boss, not how good or bad our colleagues are, but because God likes it and we're thankful to him. So in all these things, church, home, work, we, we put on the family outfit and we take on the family likeness. We're patient and forgiving with one another at church because God forgave us and heaven knows he's patient. We put one another's needs before our own in the home because Jesus put our needs before the honour and worship due him. We show compassion to one another because Jesus had enough compassion for us to go all the way to the cross. We make sure our children stay encouraged because God never gave up on us. We work hard to bring about good work because God is lovingly working to sustain every breath. We treat those under us rightly and fairly because God is right and fair. Taking on the family likeness, putting on the family outfit. Again, none of this is to become someone. It's because of who we are. 
It's being yourself. And that's why increasingly we find it when we do sin, we hate it. It's just not you anymore. It's like, I don't know if this happens to you at school, you forget your PE kit and you have to wear someone else's old musty clothes from the lost property box. It doesn't fit you. It doesn't belong. It feels horrible. It doesn't suit you anymore to sin. So to finish, don't forget where all this, all this instructions of how to live is coming from. It's from setting our hearts on things above, from knowing who we are in our new reality in Christ. We're died, raised, and we're going to be revealed in full glory when Jesus returns. That's me, that's you. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if one of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Amen.